Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me, and they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air, couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Okay, I'll reload it! to the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel thank you for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email or go to the website theconfessionalspodcast.com hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well either way works for me just get a hold of me now for this week's show we have two different people on first person we're bringing on is mark deworth from the ohio bigfoot conference he comes on for a few minutes to share some things about the ohio bigfoot conference and let you guys know when it's coming up and when do the tickets go on sale this is a very big conference and i highly suggest people that are within the radius of ohio to definitely check it out if you're from outside that radius it's cool you can still come too but if you're within a five to six hour drive of the ohio bigfoot conference it is a must be at so highly suggest checking it out and after mark is on we bring on jamie and jenny king Jamie and Jenny King micro-research a very specific area in Pennsylvania, and it's the same area they had their Bigfoot experience. They comb these woods with a fine-tooth comb, and they come on to talk about their Bigfoot experiences and also some of their thoughts on Bigfoot and even paranormal stuff. We go all over the place. It was a great conversation with Jamie and Jenny King. We even covered Bigfoot sounds that you'll get to hear on today's show. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Thank you. 
right. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to bring on Mark DeWorth. He is the owner and operator of the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. Mark, how you doing, man? Good. How are you, Tony? I'm doing good, sir. So I... The very first time I went to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, I, I think it was like 2015 or something like that, and uh, I had you know no clue what I was in for. Uh, I, I didn't know anything about Ohio Bigfoot Conference or any Bigfoot conferences in general, let alone you know the biggest one in the world. So when I went out there in 2015, I was really overwhelmed with the amount of people that were there. I couldn't believe uh, the support to the community that that Bigfoot Conference gets. So. Uh, w- with the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, I know tickets are going on sale soon. What, when are the tickets going on sale? The tickets will go on sale uh, next Saturday, which is December 1st at 12 noon Eastern time at ohiobigfootconference.com. Okay, cool. And who are some of the uh, speakers for this year? Uh, we have confirmed Dr. Jeff Meldrum, James Bobofay, Cliff Berrickman, and John Wilt from Massachusetts, and then we'll have a few more announcements to be added in the next four to six weeks. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I remember, I think the first time I ever went out, I had seen uh, Cliff speaking, and it was just like, it was surreal because, you know, I had saw him on the show. I never saw him in person before up to that point, and just to hear him talk about Bigfoot in a way that he doesn't have the opportunity to do so on the show. You know, when you're doing a TV show, there's a lot of production. There's people that are in charge of the final product that whoever's the camera's focusing on don't have a say in how that goes. So like you get, of course. A, you get a piece of Cliff uh, on the show, but when you at the conference, you actually get to hear him speak and, you know, share his literal thoughts on the topic and his findings. And it's just, it really was like mind blowing, like I said to me. And I don't think I've ever heard uh, Bobo uh, speak at any conferences and stuff. So that, that's going to be pr- pretty exciting to hear him talk. So with the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, uh, when did this whole thing start for you? I mean, when did you start this whole, pro- the whole process of doing the conference? Oh, I, uh, I started it basically, I mean, I took over in 2012 from Don Keating, and, uh, but I was helping Don for many years beforehand organize the event. And uh, so it was just kind of one of those things where when I took over, I just wanted to uh, um, put my own name on it, let's say. And, and, you know, and I had a lot of different plans in mind. I wanted this event to grow and I really wanted to stress the family environment. Um, you know, having not only families, but, you know, kids involved and, uh, learning and and not even entertaining, just more, more learning and education. And, uh, you know, to me, that's the biggest thing. The, the things that we can do for Bigfoot in the Bigfoot world is to uh, is to have a uh, a a positive place to go where people can learn about these creatures and not be made fun of and be taken completely serious. And I thought that was always missing over the years. I always thought there was just too much of this. Uh, you know, people not being confident to talk about their incident. And uh, so I, I really, you know, aim to do something like that. And also on a grand scale, I wanted to make it be an event where, 
you know, not only do you go to the event, you stay at a state park or in a forest somewhere where there is potential Bigfoot sighting. And Assault Fork provides that background with history. And uh, to have that alone is just, uh, you know, absolutely amazing. So, uh, I mean, it is uh, something that, you know, I enjoy doing it. As long as I enjoy doing it, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the whole aspect of the conference and the family-friendly environment and the educational side of things and the comfort side of things for people to have, uh, to be in an environment where they feel free to open up and, and literally speak their mind on Bigfoot without the fear of ridicule and things like that. Uh, for somebody who's never gone to a Bigfoot conference or who's really into the topic but really doesn't have anybody to talk to in their everyday life, conferences like these are, are lifesavers for them because it's like all of a sudden they can just, you know, Bigfoot out and just talk to anybody that they'd like to about the topic and it's well-received. And I think that's such a key thing. Oh, of course, and of course, and like I say, when you and I, you know, one thing I'm very big is big in is nature, and uh, you ha- and you know what what is one thing that Bigfoot has in common with that interest is it lives in nature, and if you can sit there and take Bigfoot and use that as a tool to get the, the youth of today out in the woods again, even if they're looking for the needle in the haystack that keeps moving, at least they're out there looking and learning. If you put them around the correct people that have knowledge of botany and knowledge of our environment and food sources, it's going to help them be better educated with our environment. And if you do that, you're going to learn more about Bigfoot. It just goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, when I first started looking into the topic on a more proactive scale. I mean, I always was interested in a topic, but it wasn't until probably about 2013, 2014 that I actually, for me personally, started going out in the woods and looking for it. And it's something that you said, I think, at one of the conferences, and it really rang true to me. Uh, at one point, I think it was at one of the VIP dinners, you had said that if if you don't enjoy being out in nature, then Bigfoot hunting is going to be very boring for you. And because there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, you want to happen when you're out there, but the reality of the matter is, you know, chances are you're not going to see anything. You're not going to find anything. And you have to really enjoy being out in nature to begin with for it to be even worth your while. And that, that I found very true. Well, exactly. And, you know, and if it is in a lot of people and not a lot, but there's some, they treat Bigfoot as a, should I say a competition? And, you know, you can't, you have to treat it as a hobby because a hobby is supposed to be what? A hobby is supposed to be fun. And if you're having fun doing your hobby, that's looking for Bigfoot, that's going out in the woods and hiking and looking for things. If you're having fun doing it, keep doing it. But if you're absolutely miserable doing it and you can't, you know, and you, and you just can't stand other groups or other researchers or for any which way reason, you know, this isn't something for you. This is, like I say, this is something where it's environmental friendly. And, uh, you know what, the more you can learn about the outdoors, the more we're going to understand about Bigfoot and what it does to survive and succeed in life. 100% agree with you. Absolutely. And, uh, for anybody who's listening, I want to remind you that, uh, you can go to ohiobigfootconference.org to purchase tickets, and the tickets go on sale December 1st, 2018 at noon. And they do sell out within minutes, very, very fast. 
So if you're yeah. interested in getting some VIP tickets, uh, you have to be on the game. So on December 1st at noon, noon Eastern time, EST, Eastern time, make sure you're on the website getting ready to buy those tickets because they will sell out very fast. So uh, Mark, man, I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing some of the things about Bigfoot, about the conference, and just uh, letting people know about the conference because I think it's awesome. It's in Salt Fork State Park, which, you know, like you had said, has a history of potential Bigfoot sightings. It, it actually really creates that aura around the conference, and I really do appreciate it, and I think a lot of other people will as well. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and I appreciate you having me on and and uh, your interest and in, and having attended the event and stuff like that. And uh, uh, you know what? I wish you and I wish everyone all the happy uh, Bigfoot seeking that they can have. And like I say, I always tell people keep your skepticals on, but in the same breath, have an open mind. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Mark, thank you very much for being on. Sure, no problem, Tony. You have a good day. You too, sir. Okay, tonight I have a great couple of guests coming on. I have uh, Jamie King and Jenny King. They're a married couple that I've actually never met Jenny personally, but I've definitely met Jamie a couple of times. Uh, him and I met each other the first time at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference about two or three years ago. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about just talking with you guys. I mean, I, we were just talking a little bit before we started the show. And, you know, you, I told you guys before, like, you guys are a couple that I just, I really admire. I do, you guys are out there doing your thing together and I'm really a big family guy. I love my wife and obviously my new son now. And, uh, you know, just seeing you guys online, you guys go out doing your research together. You, it seems like you guys do a lot together. And, uh, that's why I was really excited to have both of you on the show today because you both have different perspectives, but you experience a lot of things together. Uh, and one of the things you've experienced, actually, you know what? Let me rewind here a little bit because I just want to, I just want to lighten the mood a little bit real quick. Uh, Jamie, do you remember when we first, when I first ever saw you, what happened at the Ohio Bigfoot conference? I do. I was, um, in my room at the Ohio Bigfoot conference and I was at the balcony and I looked over and I thought, uh, in the next room was my friend Jane. And I think I'd like tried to scare you or something. I thought it was yeah. Jane and I scared her. And then I realized, oh no, it's not. <laughs> like, it's, it's, <laughs> That's how we met. Yeah, I, I remember that because uh, I was very new. Like that was my first time at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know anybody. Uh, nobody really knew who I was, and I was just very new. And I'm there with my wife Lindsay. We walk out on the balcony, and you peek your head around the corner. You're like, "Ha!" And I'm like, "Hey!" <laughs> and it was so funny. We were meant to be friends. Yeah, I think so because you, you kind of like just kind of went right back around the wall. You're like, "Sorry," and I was like, and then I, I think uh, I. I heard your name somewhere during the weekend and I looked you up and it turns out you were already part of uh, Pennsylvania Sasquatch research. And I was like, that's awesome. So we kind of connected that way. And that was our introduction to each other. I thought it was really cool. Uh, and yeah. since then we've talked and stuff and I've heard your, some of your stories and stuff. And we actually talked about one of your stories on a previous episode with Dave Groves. And we can get into that a little bit later, but um, let's start off tonight with your Bigfoot encounter. You guys uh, experienced some uh, pretty incredible stuff. So if you want to just walk us into that, how that all kind of unfolded for you. Okay, Tony, like uh, tonight we're going to talk about like the Bigfoot encounter, but from, for Jenny and I both, like things in your life are pivotal moments that change the way you think about everything. And it just so happens that uh, my mother's passing was one of them. 9-11 was another one. And then my father's passing. So this all ties into when my father passed away. 
and um, he lived with us for like a year when when he had bone cancer, and maybe, it was maybe six months after he passed away. My wife, you know, like we hike every day. We're always doing something. But my wife said, "There's something, you know, Jamie. You need to get out more. You need you're like in this weird depression." So we went out hiking this one day on a turkey trail in um, Shenango Reservoir. And we went to this trail, and I remember entering the trail, and I said this weird um, prayer in my head. I'm like, Dad, if you're here, give me a sign. You know, you kind of forget about it. Um, then we hiked down the trail, and I'll, I'll let Jenny tell you the rest. Well, we were hiking down the trail. We've been there before. The Shenango is a beautiful place to hike, period. I mean, it's just beautiful, but we've been there before, like I said, and we were there with our beagle, Harley. Um, and we're hiking down the trail. We're getting close to where the water's at. And we get down to where there's a stream that feeds into the Shenango. And as we get closer, our beagle, Harley, she started acting funny. You know, normally beagles are nose to the ground. You know, she always wants to be in front. And she's never afraid of anything, but she started acting funny. She wanted picked up. She started acting like she was scared, and we're like, well, you know, what's wrong with her? She gets stung with a bee, you know, what's wrong? And then the next thing you know, we hear this loud vocalization. You know, at the time, we were like, what was that? You know, we had no idea what this was, but it was so loud. I mean, you could actually feel it in your body. And we just looked at each other like, what was that? I mean, it's just, we didn't know what the heck it was. And we picked up Harley. Well, actually, Jamie picked up Harley. And we just started getting out of there because actually it just, like, kind of scared the crap out of us because we didn't know what we were up against or what was on the other side of the stream. And we started getting out of there, and then we actually started hearing something following us. And we're just like, let's get back to the vehicle. We wanted to get out of there. It was. Yeah, go ahead, Jamie. <laughs> so, I mean, so, Tony, like, as Jenny and I were standing there, we're watching trees in front of us shake. And I remember, like, just looking into her eyes, and we're kind of, like, not reali- not realizing what is really, really happening. And in my mind, I'm thinking prehistoric. Like, this is something out of, like, Jurassic Park. There was a stream in front of us. You could actually watch. We watched it ripple. So it was that loud. And I've never heard anything like that in my entire life in um, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, which is not very far from there. And no way, we don't have dinosaurs. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like Jenny said, we turned, and as we're leaving, you could hear this thing behind us, and you could you could hear it make this noise. But at one point, it felt like it was on both sides of us. And um, when we got back to the truck, we got in the truck and we started driving home. We still didn't say anything to each other. And then we got home, and um, really, when we got in the house, we were, like, still not really um, putting together, like, what we had experienced. And I can't say to this day that it 100% that was Bigfoot, but in my mind, it definitely was. And we started listening to recordings. So um, the first recording that I Googled um, were all these animal recordings that none of, none of them matched. So then um, I don't know how it went down, but somebody said put in Bigfoot recording. So we put in this Bigfoot recording, and this recording came up from a place called Wellsville, Ohio, called the Ohio Howl. And as soon as I played it, Jenny and I stopped, and we both looked at each other, and we're like, like 100%, that is what we heard, only on a louder level. So I then realized Wellsville, Ohio is only like 40 
some miles away from where Shenango is that we had this experience. But then I was like, you know, I don't know exactly what we experienced. And then um, you kind of dissect it over and over in your mind, over and over, every event of that day, because it was so profound. And it was this weird thing happened to me on my way to work. And this is where it kind of gets weird. But on my way to work, I'm um, driving, and I heard this voice, and it was, it was my dad's voice. And it said, Jamie, if you want to find an answer to something, you go back to the beginning, trace your steps. So if I was going to trace my steps to that day, it would be um, going back to the trail. And I entered the trail, and I said, Dad, if you're here, give me a sign. And that's where it hit me. And I don't know how, how the universe works or how God works. But this could not have gotten my attention more than anything. But I remembered my dad, when he lived with us, he um, wanted to go outside to look at the trees and listen to the birds for the last time. And then he said, take me in the um, house. He said, I'm done. And I thought, you know, like, oh, man, he's like really upset. So I brought him in the house and um, he picked a stack of movies and he put a movie in. And one of the movies that he was watching, and this is when I realized, you know, when you ask for something, be careful what you wish for. But the movie that he watched was Harry and the Hendersons. But the weird thing is I remember watching my dad watch this movie and I really wasn't watching the movie as much as I was watching my dad laugh. So to me, that was very, very profound. And I, then my research kind of went in a weird, different direction into that. I started, I got online and I started researching like the power of prayer, the power of thought. And it came back to these weird things called the laws of attraction. And I thought, you know, like, that is so bizarre. That's when our research took a different direction for me, where I realized that there's something more to what when, you're, when you think and when you pray, and where does that energy go? And it's sort of like a vibrational frequency. So I started researching all of that, and it, it brought me to this laws of attraction of the universe, and actually the laws of nature. So... That's where I started researching a little more with like um, vibrational frequencies and stuff like that because I don't know how energy works, but it's all energy. Like my father's passing was to me very profound, and what I asked for was a sign. And again, that was very profound, and it's something that I just couldn't ignore. And like my wife knows me, and she knows how I am. I'm very sensitive with my father, and they were like my best friends. Like and. Then I had to retrace again the things that changed in my life, like weird pivotal moments where something paranormal happened. So I go back to when my mom passed away, and um, that was another weird experience. Like she was, um, she had kidney failure. She was in a car accident, and the day that she passed away, um, I remember getting the phone call that she was ill. So I went to the house. because they told me you need to come home. So Jenny and I drove home and we got there and something, I couldn't go in the house. And I remember standing there outside and it was like no wind and Jenny was there and my sister was there and like the weirdest thing happened. All of a sudden I closed my eyes and I I knew my mom had passed away. Nobody told me that, but I knew it because as soon as I opened my eyes, there were these like three beams of light that came from like nowhere and I could hold them in my hand And I know this all sounds crazy, but it's my experience and it's what happened. So, and I remember saying to Jenny, um, do you see that? And I kept saying, do you see that over and over again? And she said, I don't see that. But all of a sudden you felt, you felt like, um, something. Yeah, there was a different energy there. There was. 
And then the wind picked up. And then I remember, like, the person that I am is I'm, like, always in charge. I'll take care of my brothers and sisters. But something weird happened where these, I could hold these lights. I could open my eyes. They were there. I could close my eyes. They were gone. Open them. They were there. I got in the car, and I drove home, and I slept like a baby. And then when I woke up um, from this sleep, I remember putting my legs on the floor, and I opened my eyes, and those lights were there. And they stayed with me for, like, one month. Then the other pivotal moment in my life was 9-11. So it was September 10th, and I'm driving home from work, and there's an Amish cornfield off to my right. And off to the right were um, just basically very rural and not a lot of streetlights. But I saw off to my right these skyscrapers, and they had smoke and fire coming out of them. And I looked at the road, and I looked back, and they were gone. And then I got home, and it bothered me so bad that I told Jenny, I'm like, I just saw the weirdest thing. I saw these two skyscrapers on fire with smoke coming out of them. And then she told me, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I had a weird experience, too, where when I was driving, um, I was coming home from work, but I didn't see the the skyscrapers. I actually just saw billowing smoke with a lot of flames in the sky. And then I had a feeling that something bad was going to happen. So then we both go to bed and we get a phone call in the morning and it's from our friend in England. It's his fiance. And she said, we had never met her. And she said, uh, Woody wanted us to call you because a plane crashed in Pennsylvania and he wanted to make sure that you were okay. So at that point I'm like, um, yeah, we're okay. And I turned the TV on because she said, you might want to turn the TV on because your country's at war. And I turned the TV on and I stood there kind of like frozen, just like this Bigfoot experience, like frozen in this like weird moment. And I'm staring at this image that I saw the day before. So there's events in my life that, you know, like maybe other people have had experiences that are outside of normal, but I can look back now and kind of trace back these other experiences that kind of changed me and how I think about things. So I don't just look at experiences as um, something that happens to people, it's maybe a trail of things that happen to people. And maybe certain people have certain frequency that they're attached to. And I've talked to a lot of people, and um, I'm not really sure. But the one other thing I was going to tell you about the Bigfoot experience that we had after my father's death is we took our friend Roger back to the same location, and we had both of our dogs with us. And I totally expected to not see anything or, you know, just to show him where it happened. But on our way out, we heard what sounded like a man talking. We heard a dog bark and we heard what sounded like a whistle. But um, at that point, nothing came out of the woods. So Roger and I walked over to the edge of this ravine. And as we walked over, we looked down and we watched this thing stand straight up and it went straight away from us. And at that point, I'm like, you know, like, this can be like completely random or this could be something that we really have to research. So that's when Jenny and I started researching on a micro level there because we thought, you know, if, if, if this truly is something that is like happened to us twice in the same area, then there has to be something going on. So we started interviewing more and more people, talking to more and more people about the Shenango. And it turns out there's a lot of experiences that I had no idea had ever happened there. And, I researched a lot of the Native American stuff, and really there's, I feel like there's a huge connection with that. And I don't know if this is all spiritual, but I know it was physical, but there could be a spiritual element to all of this too. And I'm not going to discount it just because I don't understand it.
That's incredible. So uh, when you saw it stand up, you and your friend saw it? Yes, Roger and I saw it. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's 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 uh, some intense stuff, man. Uh, and leading up to it, I mean, the whole idea of the nine eleven visions that you both had—that's uh, pretty incredible too. Uh, I, I've never, uh, I've never experienced anything like that. But uh, to say the least, it, it, did you? Were you guys, you know, freaked out about it at all, or was it kind of like, you know, more just natural for you guys? No, it was freaky. It was, it definitely was freaky. But I mean, we. Do I, mean, I think Jamie and I are both sensitive. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was freaky. Yeah. Because you did feel like something was going to happen, and it did. It, you know, to me, it felt like an animal that knows of impending doom. Like, I, I wouldn't consider myself to be, like, um, sensitive and psychic in that way, but I feel like everybody has an element of um, psychic ability or just some kind of spiritual element that's connected to the peace of the universe. I don't know. That's what it felt like. I can imagine what that felt like. I mean, I can't really, you know, understand it, but I can just imagine uh, it's pretty incredible. I, I wanted to ask you about the, the sound that you heard when you first were out there and you heard that, uh, the, the howl. And when you went back, you said it sounded like the Ohio howl, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, with that said, I did some recording. I didn't do recordings. I had recordings sent to me, and uh, all four of these recordings were sent to me out of Ohio. And uh, to me, they sound similar to the Ohio Howl. And I would be curious for you to listen to them to just see if they sound similar to what you heard that day. Would that, would that be okay? Yeah. Yes. All right. Cool. I'm gonna play uh, one that came out of Salt Fork early. I think it was in April of 2017. So here it is. Okay. Yeah, I would have to agree. I would have to agree. It's similar. Only what we heard was a little bit more of a wailing. There was more of a wailing quality to it. Okay. Yeah, and, it was, yeah, and when, when you're there, there's nothing. I oh, mean, it's hard to compare something when you're there. You know. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> so I would like to play another one for you uh, that was sent to me by another guy last year, 
out of Ohio again, and uh, it's it's a, it's a little different. So uh, you know, just let me know what you think of it, okay? Okay. All right. All right, so that was uh, a clip that, to me, it sounded like there was three of them howling off together. Uh, was that anything similar or not at all? Wow, well, yeah, that, I was going to say it sounded like three. That's yeah. a little closer to what we yeah, heard. Yeah, it's closer, but yeah, I was like, wow, that sounded like three. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, to me, that's what it sounded like, too. The person who provided that audio to me uh, didn't really give any specifics as to what they thought it was, uh, but they were definitely experiencing Bigfoot activity on their property. And, uh, you know, I, I just was curious because the sound that you heard, you were so cl- you're so close to Ohio, and uh, obviously these things don't know uh, state lines. You know, they, they do cross state lines. So right. uh, <laughs> I, I, I always think it's funny is people say, you know, there's no cougars in Pennsylvania, but they are in New York. I'm like, well, do you do realize <laughs> that they, they could come down? You know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I definitely find that interesting. Now, when you guys kind of saw this whole thing, now, Jenny, did you see the the thing stand up too? No, I was I was with the dogs. I was holding them back. You know, we weren't sure if there was somebody with another dog down in the ravine, so I stayed with the dog, so I didn't get to see anything. Okay. And so your dog was acting up the second time around as well. So the first time when you guys were there, you heard the sound, and your dog was acting up, and the second time your dog was acting up as well? Well, they just, they heard, they could hear, like, the whistle and the dog bark, and, you know, like, it sounded like somebody talking. And I didn't want them going down, like, getting hurt. Because the first time, we just had Harley with, you know, our first experience. And the second time, um, we had we got Maisie, so we had two dogs. And I didn't want, you know, them getting in the fight with another dog or getting hurt. But, but Tony, what's interesting is when, we, when I say that I thought I heard somebody talking, it was more like a mumbling, like this muttering yeah. sound. Yeah, you couldn't make out what was being said. Do you think it was kind of like, I know you probably heard uh, Ron Moorhead's Sierra sounds. Was something like that? It was kind of similar, yes. I've heard those kind of similar, but not. Okay. So you guys had this experience, and obviously it changed your lives. I mean, from that point on, uh, you guys went into a much deeper direction into this whole paranormal seeking uh, answers. And you guys... uh, I give you props because you guys go out there all the time. I mean, how often during the week do you guys go out uh, doing research in your area? I mean, if we can get out every day, we do. But, I mean, the weather right now has been really brutal, so we haven't been out as much. Yeah, it's a little harder right now, especially when a lot of places we go to, it's kind of hard to even park anywhere because of the snow. Sure. But, yeah, but, we, you know, we still try to get out when we can. So when you're out there, you're doing your research. Now, uh, I know after the sighting, you guys decided that you were going to just research the specific area where you guys had your sighting. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, You are, yeah. Okay. Uh, You guys found some interesting stuff since researching that area. Uh, Would you mind sharing some of that with the audience? I know you found uh, some structures and and, uh, I know I saw you do some footprints online. Yeah. What's interesting is... um, 
we were talking to a man when we were getting our car fixed and, you know, I don't know how Bigfoot came up. I think I had something in the back seat with Bigfoot. And um, this man started telling us that he had a Bigfoot experience and he started describing it to Jenny and I. And um, we both looked at each other and we're like, that's the exact same spot. But he had the experience 30 years earlier in that same exact area. So um, we really do research this one area really, really hardcore. And we found tracks, we found shelters. And I would say the Shenango itself is probably, I I should know by now, like how many acres it is, but it's Army Corps of Engineer land. So um, people are not allowed to make hunting blinds out of um, natural things. They have to be man-made, but we're finding structures that I can't explain. We found um, uh, tree branches that were nine tree branches that were twisted out of a tree. And I couldn't explain that. Um, the one uh, print that we did find and cast, it was a trackway. It looked like it had a missing toe, like there was a missing, like exposed bone. And I remember I was kind of excited to um, take that with me to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. But, you know, like I'm kind of like, I'll talk about my experiences, but I'm a little like my friend Sparky would say, I'm not shy, but I really am. And I don't usually like to show people stuff or talk to talk about it to people. Cause I don't want them thinking I'm crazy, but I do, we do research. And, um, I, I still believe to this day that this, this, um, print that we have is exposed bone. Like it has an injury. Okay. Well, that, that would make sense. I mean, if these things are walking around, you know, and you know, bare feet, you know, injuries mm-hmm. do happen. Uh, you know, that, that to me, that would make sense. I remember seeing those pictures online. I think you posted them on Instagram or maybe you did post them on Facebook too, but I remember seeing them. I was so excited for you guys because you guys really do focus on a specific area. I mean, there's a lot of people, I'm one of the people that like, I'll go to different areas. I, I, I go all over the place whenever I get a chance. Like, uh, I don't have a specific area I go to, but you guys do. And you micro focus on that. I mean, you guys know every square inch of that area. And it's awesome because you can see see the changes as time goes on. I know you've mentioned that before where you, you come into an area where like the day before it wasn't like this and all of a sudden things have changed. Uh, what, what kind of changes do you typically see uh, when you're going through your area and you know it very well? Is it like tree structures, you know, down trees? What kind of things are you finding that kind of change from time to time? Well, I'll let Jenny answer. Yeah, definitely. We definitely, we keep an eye on the structures we've seen and we see how they change, and then we see new things, um, you know, like the, tree, like the trees that are bent over, um, and then we see, like, a lot of X's. We find new X's. We, uh, we see all kinds of new stuff, and we're like, yeah, that wasn't there last time we were here. Like, What's interesting, too, and I'm kind of like, um, there's a lady in Canada that does a lot of structures, Leanne Carnegie, and I really kind of appreciate her um, things that she puts out there because they're very similar to what we're finding at Shenango, and the area that we go to is not really like there's not kids out there playing. Um, there are hunters that go there, but a lot of the structures that we found, it's interesting to note. Like it seems like season by season, we'll find these structures, and then all of a sudden they'll be destroyed. Um, I don't know why, but another weird anomaly that I'm finding too are these like rocks, rock structures that are near the structure. And then the rocks will be aligned in a weird way. And I don't really put that out as my research, but I'm finding like these weird rock formations that I haven't really seen other people put out there. 
And um, I'm doing a lot of recording, too, with, like, um, this cool recorder that I use. Um, and I'm doing it in a way that's not so much, like, I'm communicating with Bigfoot, but I'm recording when I'm out there. And I've come across some really interesting things. And Dave Groves, um, when I went to the Alleghenies, uh, we were out there and we heard stuff. And then I pulled out this recorder and I started recording. And I started asking questions like I was ghost hunting. And I got a response back in English, which is bizarre. And, I mean, that sounds crazy to people. It even sounds crazy to myself. But I got a response back in in English. Would you mind going into that? That wasn't the time that you were with Dave, was it? It was when I was with Dave, yeah. And and okay. the area of the Alleghenies that he goes to with um, Scott Gear is pretty interesting area. And the Alleghenies itself, um, the Alleghe, were considered these giants that lived in um, the Allegheny National Forest. So they were like these giants that fought with the Indians and basically... Bigfoot, um, per se. So the Alagui fought with Bigfoot? They, I don't know if they fought with Bigfoot or if they fought along Bigfoot or if it was like a spirit thing that they um, dealt with. But it's a lot like the Lene Lenape and the Smisingwa, which is basically part of the Shenango where these people believed in the Smisingwa, which is like a keeper of the forest. And, um, you know... Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that I'm not going to um, look into that. And you know, when I'm out there, I I pay on I, I pay honor to the Native Americans that are there, and you know, I speak to the wind <laughs> if you want to call it like that. But I'll talk to things around me, and you know, like my biggest fear is that people would consider me woo, which I think it's sort of a bad term, but it's not. It's just Jamie trying to figure out and find answers to an experience that happened. You know, and, and when I think of woo, I think of these people that are online that are circling these um, tree things and they're finding faces, which to me is basically pareidolia, which is when people see um, a face in the clouds or a bunny. And, you know, I understand all that, but that's not what what I'm all about. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, uh, just because, I mean, even people who do, you know, paranormal research when it comes to like ghost hunting and things like that. I mean, people that are maybe say the Bigfoot community, they would look at that and say that's woo. And it's it's not. There, there's a there is a difference, and I, I agree with you, Jamie. Uh, and when you brought up the Alagui, that kind of my ears perked up there because I never heard the name of the supposed giants that roamed Pennsylvania. I know that I know the stories. I know that I believe it was right outside of Pittsburgh. They found a burial uh, area of like 40 or 50 uh, skeletal remains back. I think it was in the early 1900s. I think also uh, in North, um, I think it was North central Pennsylvania. They also found another burial site. Uh, I, I remember reading about those. There, there are, there were very old articles. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but uh, I mean, I guess my main my main question with that would be: Have you ever heard of these um, burial mounds? I have heard of these burial mounds, and honestly, like Pennsylvania, well, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, they all have burial mounds. And you know, like for me as a person that's trying to find answers, I'm not afraid to ask questions to myself that I don't understand. Like, what is this? You know, like could this be spiritual? And you know, like I'm going to. Um, try to find answers, whether it sound crazy to people or not. But, you know, I don't know the spiritual element that these Native Americans had with all of this stuff, but I do believe that they believed it. So I believe if they believe, you know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very much uh, a person that thinks that most modern American people don't give credence, enough credence to the Native American tradition and culture. Uh, and I always use the example of the idea that these stories are passed down through generations and people, one of the things that I always hear people say is, over time, the story gets skewed because from one person to another, kind of like the story, you know, when you're a kid in school and just whisper down the alley, by the time it gets to the end of the line, it's a totally different thing than what it started as. But one of the things that I always tell people is that the Native Americans put a lot of emphasis on the idea of oral tradition and they, they would identify people at a young age, their children, and they identify the people who have a tendency to have a good memory and they train them from a very young age to be the, the the story keeper of the tribe and it was something that they 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 you, that was an honor position like if you were chosen to do that you you did that with honor and you took pride in it and so uh and they repeated these stories over and over again that's how they, they the stories stayed alive so the accuracy never dwindled because they're always telling these stories over and over again i mean i know you probably you know found similar things right yes yes and you know my grandmother was cherokee indian and she always um told us stories about um, the spirits that the Native American believed in. She never specifically said Bigfoot or any of that, but there is, a, there is an energy that's attached to the land. And when you historically look at Pennsylvania, the Indians were kind of like driven out of Pennsylvania and into Ohio. And to me, like the area of Ohio, like Coshocton and um, Fault Fork, those are areas where these tribes that came from Pennsylvania settled or they were with the Moravians. And a lot of that energy is also tied to that land, which is interesting. When I think of Bigfoot, I never ever would have thought of Bigfoot in Pennsylvania or Ohio. I always think of like the West Coast or Canada. And, you know, even then, but when you research all of this stuff with the Native American, it, it really plays an important role in their culture. And I think that there's something more to it that we have to look at. Absolutely. And, you know, Jamie, I think I might have talked to you about this, you know, years ago, when maybe when I first started the Facebook group. Uh, but I remember I came across a book, uh, I think it was called, and this is politically incorrect, but I think it was called uh, Indian Trails of Pennsylvania. And uh, I, I think it, it, it was the book that I was looking at, uh, it had all these old mapped out Native American trails throughout the state of Pennsylvania. And I think I asked you this, but I don't remember what you, you told me. Uh, do you think that if we could identify the old Native American trails that they used, do you think we'd have a better chance of maybe seeing such activity of Sasquatch? You know, because I, I think that maybe they do have this uh, knowledge of these, these old trails and maybe they use that we don't even know it exists. Absolutely, yes. And, and you know, like I've been mapping a lot of the things, the sightings that have been in Pennsylvania, and I've taken notice to the trails that were Native American, and a lot of them, that's where you're finding a lot of the sightings. Even Dave Groves, where he had his, that's part of um, Indian trails. Really? Yes. Wow, that's good to know. I didn't know that. Does he know that? I'm sure he does. I, I'm not sure that he does know that. I don't know that I ever told him that, but yes. That's incredible. I, I definitely will be connecting with him to tell him that. I, I just, I don't know a ton about Native American uh, tradition or, you know, not nearly as much as you do, uh, but I always found it fascinating. And it's one of those things where it's, 
you either have to study up on it on yourself or have somebody teach you a little bit. Unfortunately for me, I don't have a lot of time to do studying, you know, between driving trucks 60 hours a week and then doing the show and all the stuff I do, the studying aspect of thing kind of puts gets put on the back burner. So I rely on people like you who do actually know these things to kind of clue me in as to what's going on. Uh, but the Native American aspect of things, I think people should definitely look into more when it comes, especially when it comes to uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, because uh, I think there's a direct link to the two. Uh, and also with the what you mentioned about earlier about the allegory, I mean, the, these things, I personally believe that these things were real. We found the burial mounds, and it, I think it shows that at least throughout the region, I personally believe throughout the country, throughout the North American region at least, the, there was giants that roamed the land. And there's, there's stories of Native Americans fighting these things. Have you come across those stories before? Yeah, you know, I've come across them, and I've read a lot of them. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's history, but we don't know how true the history is. And, like, Na- Native American stuff is oral history. but. In the 1800s, they were finding um, bones of large, um, just large bones, northeast Pennsylvania, Ashtabula, Ohio, um, West Virginia, down near um, the penitentiary down in, uh, what's the name of that, Moundsville, Moundsville, West Virginia. You know, Moundsville, I just ran across somebody from Moundsville. I I just can't remember where I found this person, but uh, the name Moundsville, when you tie it together with the, the, the giants, that kind of makes sense because I don't know if there's a lot of mounds there, but I know that there's a lot of burial mounds that people say giants are in. I wonder if there's a connection there. Have you ever heard about that at all? Well, you know, honestly, I, I've been to Moundsville, but I went to the penitentiary for a ghost hunt. I've never, you can see the mound from the prison. And I don't know that they found bones in the mounds. Like, I don't think they did in Moundsville. But they have claimed to have found bones that went to the Carnegie um Institute. I don't know. Like the trail of finding these bones, that's another big question. And like, will people actually be able to look at them? Who knows? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I I wanted to kind of shift gears here a little bit. And uh, you mentioned about the recorder a little bit. I was wondering for people who maybe haven't heard uh, this when Dave came on and shared his story, we talked about it a little bit. Would you mind going into like how the recorder works for people? I know we talked about it on a previous show, not you and I, but me and Dave. But since it's your recorder, would you mind talking about it a little bit for us? Well, it's actually not my recorder. I borrow it because it's very expensive. Um, our friend Rochelle uses, it's called a Panasonic DR60, and basically it became popular in the ghost hunting world because um, basically somebody discovered that people were, were returning it to Panasonic because they were hearing background noise, they were hearing um, voices that weren't there. So we started, when we started um, ghost hunting at Hillview Manor, where we're, we're both volunteers, um, this recorder, we started using it more and more. But what's interesting about this recorder in particular is our voice comes across like our voice, and a voice that is of a different frequency comes across in a different frequency, but it's still understandable. And the way we record is we'll record and we ask intelligent questions in order to get intelligent responses back. So, like, one of the questions might be, how many fingers am I holding up? So I'm holding four fingers up. I've, ha- I've had it come across the recorder um, I see four, you know, like a complete sentence. It's not just four, it's I see four. So when I was in the Alleghenies with Dave Groves and Scott Gear, we were researching um, 
you know, at night with Bigfoot. And I remember Scott Gear's daughter was there, and I, we went over to the edge of this um, dark area where we were hearing something. It sounded like walking. So I started recording, and I remember, like, asking different questions, but I wanted to, like, establish, like, what is there. You know, I don't know if I'm communicating with an Indian. I don't know if I'm communicating with a ghost, but I really did have a response on the recorder, you know, and people can believe that or they don't have to believe that, but I know what, what is on that recorder. And I even took it to my friend's recording studio. And a lot of times I'll take um, recordings that I've used in research with Bigfoot to his studio and we put them on and we'll play them. And it, it's really interesting to hear it in an actual studio. Yeah. Now you're talking about where it, it sounds like it says Allegheny, right? Yeah, and it really does. I mean, it says Allegheny. Like, there's no doubt. Right. And I do remember playing that on the show, and I will uh, play it right here now. Can you tell me the name of this forest? I can hear you off to my right. Is that you? Yes or no? Can you tell me the name of this forest? I can hear you off to my right. Is that you? Yes or no? So that was the sound, and you know, I think it's I think it's a really awesome recording because uh, it, it really shows what you just described as how it works and everything. And uh, for me, I definitely see I definitely hear it saying Allegheny. And uh, I when I played it on the show before, I never had anybody email me saying that they didn't hear it. So and I actually had I actually had people say the opposite that they did hear it in the recording. So uh, for you, I mean, I know you don't look for validation from other people, but I would just say there's validation for you because other people have heard it as well. Uh, so you know, my other favorite recording that night was I don't know why I even said it, but you know, like sometimes I just start saying stuff. But I said, um, "Do you have human DNA?" I have no idea why I asked that, but the response that I got back was another again another full sentence, and it said. I don't know what DNA is. And that kind of like took me aback because, you know, like I, when I'm ghost hunting, you know, like you're with a lot of people um, that maybe are of the same frequency of you and you can take one person in, in a group and you can ghost hunt with them. And maybe that one person, you will get nothing. You take that one person out of there and you um, start recording and it opens it back up and you have experiences. So like, I don't know if people are on a frequency and it's just um, how we operate or it's like tuning in, like you put out a frequency and it's received. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. Uh, and so you said that you, you borrow that recorder and it just kind of made me chuckle a little bit when you first said that, because, uh, I remember talking to, I think it was, uh, Brian and Brian had looked up how, you know, to buy that recorder cause he wanted one. And I think he said it's like $1,500 or something like that. They're expensive recorders. This isn't like just something you got at Kmart, right? Right. No, no. It's, it, you know, it was a recorder that sold for like $16 back in the early nineties. And now it's like, it's gone it's ridiculous, yeah. But actually, what like when I took it to my friend's recording studio and we we connected it, and he was looking at it and he said, "Jamie, this recording, the voice that you captured on this recorder, is below twenty eight Z, which is called infrasound. So infrasound 
a lot of people in the Bigfoot community believe that animals, like they, animals do communicate in infrasound, certain animals. Right. But they also believe Bigfoot does. I don't, I can't say for sure. I don't know. I don't know because I know what I heard the day we had our experience was very physical and I could hear it, but I don't know how they communicate in general, like below human hearing. I don't know. And no one can really answer that question. Yeah, well, I actually agree with that because, you know, you know that I think it's drafts, they use infrasound. I know lot, or, um, tigers use infrasound. I think even whales use infrasound. So for me, I don't see it far-fetched at all that, you know, Sasquatch could uh, use such things to communicate or even uh, to stun prey. I mean, uh, if they're hunting for food or something like that, because I know that's what tigers do. They, they actually use that as a weapon. Um, and I know, I think Dave had said about how he kind of went into an area and he felt real sick and stuff. Uh, I'm not saying it's Bigfoot, but apparently whenever somebody new comes into that area, it's a very common thing that they get very ill at first when they enter that area. And so it just makes you wonder what that's all about. Um, so in Jenny, you and I and Jamie were talking before the show, and you mentioned that you started ghost hunting back in 2004, right? Yes, I did. Okay, so uh, would you share with the audience how you got involved in ghost hunting before your encounter with uh, Bigfoot? Oh, yeah, that's, um, like I was saying, I was working at a doctor's office, and uh, the one girl I worked with, she's like, hey, do you want to go on a ghost hunt? And I'm like a ghost hunt. I'm like, what's that? And she's like, yeah, well, that's when, you know, you go into a haunted place and, and you ghost hunt, you like communicate with ghosts. And I'm like, well, that sounds cool. I'm like, I'm up for that. So I was like, okay. So she's like, oh, we're going to go to Ohio state reformatory. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that is or where it's at, but I'll go. So, you know, I went with a bunch of people and we went there and the, the place is just, fabulous i'm like this place is awesome I and mean, just the history of it is just cool if, if anybody out there has been there but i mean we did have experiences that night you know because of course i didn't have any equipment because i did this my first time so you know other people had equipment and we got responses you know of course i'm feeling things i'm like wow this is interesting i'm like never been to anything like this before and it was it was a lot of fun and that got me hooked right away <laughs> So ever since then, I've I've been doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so you said that there were some experiences having that night. Anything that you'd like to share? Oh man, that was well. Ever since then, you know, I've been having experiences. I guess. <laughs> well, um, what's one of your favorite experiences you've had? Oh wow! Well, just my favorite ones. Well. At Hillview Manor in Newcastle, there's I've had a lot of experiences, not just seeing things, but I mean, just being there and, and feeling things, and you, you see, like, you just go down one north. If anybody out there has been to Hillview, and at the end of one north, you will definitely see somebody standing at the end of one north, either walking at the end of one north or just standing there. It's pretty much guaranteed. I think every time I go there, I'll see something there, um, even, like, peeking in and out of doorways. I mean, I've seen it so many times. I think my favorite experience, this one's kind of funny, um, Rochelle was doing the tour, and it was Halloween of, of all nights. This is Halloween night. And um, another volunteer and I, we were um, in what's called Warren's room, and um, 
him and I were in Warren's room, and I was, like, speaking to Warren. I said, hey, Warren, do you know what tonight is? It's Halloween. And I'm like, do you want some candy? I can bring you up some candy. And all of a sudden, uh, I just got this weird, like, sound. Like, it was almost like a brrrr, like, on the right side of my body. And I could actually feel it. And I actually screamed. And (laughs) and it actually takes a lot to scare me because I've been doing this for a while. But I actually screamed. And TR, the other guy that was with me, he was on the other side of the room. And he heard it. And he was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your show. But he was like, holy shit. And I, I screamed. <laughs> Everybody came running in the room. They're like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, Warren, Warren screamed in my ear." <laughs> wow, that was just it was just kind of funny though. Because I'm like, Warren scared me. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I mean, to hear the vocalization like that, I I, I can't say I've ever. Uh, not that I can remember ever heard a vocalization, and uh, I think that would freak me out. I really, I really do. I think that would freak me out a lot. Oh man, it was pretty cool though. I was like, I, I had to bring him up some candy then. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the t- the candy disappear? Candy disappear? No, I don't. No, I have not. Okay, I've seen that, but we do put like balls and stuff like in hallways, and then we come back and. They'll be moved, you know, like that's when the volunteers are there by themselves. So nobody else is in the building and we'll come back to that same spot and they'll be moved. You know, and there's no wind, there's nothing that can move them. So I've never actually known of anything to disappear. But Did you guys start ghost hunting together before your Bigfoot encounter? Yes. Okay, so uh, the teamwork, I'm sure the, uh, the the chemistry between you two was was great for getting into Bigfoot uh, researching into your area. I, I still, like I said, I, I still think it's awesome that you guys are uh, working together in the focused area, and it's just awesome. And I know it means so much to you guys. Like it's a very emotional experience. This isn't like something that uh, people are just going. You're just going out there to hang out and see what happens. Like it's an emotional thing for you guys. How it all developed and how it's progressing to this point. So uh, there's a lot of respect there that I have for you guys, um, Jamie. Earlier you mentioned about the lights, the balls. I think you called it balls of light right that you that you could hold in your hand you know i would call it beams of light they were three okay it could uh, so you couldn't like feel it or anything you just you just you know no um honestly when when i first opened my eyes i put my hand through it like it was through it but the, i could hold them in my hand so it you know like tony i know it sounds crazy i know it does but for one entire month, I could op- close my eyes, open them, and they would be there. And to me, it was more like it wasn't um, a matter of – it was like a peaceful feeling. And if anybody knows the relationship that I had with my parents, they were like my best friends. So losing both of them was very, very hard. So the connection between my parents and myself goes beyond this, this physical body. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just trying to – uh, gauge as to um, what you were experiencing there, uh, but it, that's very interesting, man. Like I, I don't, I don't see why anybody would, you know, want to doubt. I guess I can understand why you feel like some people would doubt you on that and stuff. But uh, I definitely find that interesting. I've heard so many different stories of people's experiences, especially once somebody that they loved uh, had th- passed away. You know, the different experiences they've had. It's just, um, for me, it's like, I look at them like, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> of course, people are experiencing these kind of things. Um, now, when you guys, I wanted to ask you, and I keep forgetting to ask you this, when you were 
out there and you had your first experience with uh, what you thought was a Bigfoot. At that time, you didn't you didn't know what it was, uh, but looking back, you think it probably was a Bigfoot. Uh, you you described it that the the trees were shaking and you saw ripples in the stream. Uh, how like like how heavy do you think this thing was that was walking? Do you think this is something that was uh, just really heavy physically, or do you think there was maybe something else going on there? Because uh, I mean, it, it would take a lot to to make a stream ripple. You know, I mean, was it that close to you? Do you think? I I, I think the the vocalization that it made. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if it, it was just, it seemed so loud. Tony, it was sort of like a rush of um, air that kind of hit us, like a wall of air. Is wall how of I would sound. Just, a wall of like, sound wow. that really hit us. So. It was like, a, you because you could actually feel it in your body. And... It was very Jurassic Park. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like, I don't, yeah, it was just so loud. I can't tell you how far away it was, because where the stream was, there was, it kind of went uphill from there, and there were the trees, but then from where the trees were, then it kind of goes down a little bit. So, if there was something up there, it would have been hidden. It's an it's an interesting area in that, um, like Jenny said, it, it there's a stream bed that feeds into the Shenango. And then it goes up, and then it goes down in. Yeah. And where it goes down in, there's a lot of, like, um, mounds. Like, I guess I would call them mounds. And there's, like, these little valleys. And um, it, it's just really super interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, it sounds interesting. When I when I hear you describe it, the thing I'm thinking of mentally in my head to picture this is, like, those cartoons where the sound waves knock the people over. Like, <laughs> you, <laughs> you physically feel it. <laughs> supersonic yeah. you know what was what was really strange about that whole thing is like Jenny and I did not um it was like the silent agreement that we made with our eyes like just let's get out of here because we knew that whatever we were experiencing right then and there was not something that um really well, we, we wanted to stick around for yeah it was like we just didn't know and you know what I think I carried my beagle the entire way out yeah we really <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. I absolutely can imagine. You know, I secretly wish that there were still giants roaming around Pennsylvania. Uh, I guess it's not a secret anymore. But <laughs> I just, when I hear the stories of the giants and stuff, and I heard, you know, your story of, you know, the tree shaking, and I just, I really wish you would have said, and then we saw a giant. Like, <laughs> that's what it sounds like, you know? And I just, I don't know, like, when you brought the whole giant thing up and stuff, I, I just, I'm fascinated by the whole topic of, you know, uh, giants and the idea that, you know, the, the biblical accounts of the Nephilim and all those things. And I, I do believe that, you know, North America had giants in it and they did walk this land at one time. And how did they get here and all that stuff? I'm fascinated by it. Um, but the word giant too is just, it's a play on words. So it's something larger than a human, right? That's what I think. I mean, uh, I mean, if you say giant, yeah, I would say that. Uh, but if you were to say Nephilim, well, that's a whole different thing then, you know, because the, the biblical, biblical account of Nephilim, where that's where that term comes from, uh, it, it's a description of something that isn't human. It's a hybrid between a spiritual being of a, of a, of a fallen angel and a human being. So, um, would that be similar to the jinn? What's the jinn? Um, 
Jin, like J-I-N-N. Um, it's basically, Jenny can probably describe it better. I don't, I think Jin are different than Nephilim, because that angels are different than Jin. I don't know a whole lot about it, but somebody, <laughs> somebody said, you know, like maybe you experienced Jin or something. I'm like, I don't know what that really is, but it's similar to the Nephilim. Which I don't know, you know, like I don't know. Even the Bible, those are handed down stories. Right. You know, uh, I find it interesting because there's a lot of different stories out there throughout different cultures describing very similar things that just have different names for them. And uh, I'd be very interested to hear about Jin. I, I haven't really heard much about it. But, I mean, if you look at even the... Uh, like Zeus and all the Greek gods and things like that and how that all unfolds, it's very similar to what the Bible talks about and what other cultures talk about. And I just find it fascinating that I think the more you look into things, the more you see that different cultures all over the world have uh, very similar experiences. They just call it different names. And, uh, you know, I think over time, people have been starting to connect the dots. And uh, I haven't really heard about Jin before. I think I should look that up. Maybe you should talk to my friend Barry, but he's the one that like talked to me about it. But uh, it, it sounds to me it's like it's similar to Nephilim. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you should research it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I really appreciate you guys coming on and just sharing some of your experiences and stuff. This was a lot of fun for me. Uh, this is something that, Jamie, I told you, I think a while ago that I wouldn't mind talking to you on the show. And uh, the fact that you were able to have Jenny come on too, that's just an added bonus. So uh, you guys are great. And I really look forward to hanging out with you guys sometime. Tony, let's go camping in the Alleghenies. Hey, that works for me. Bring your recorder. Okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Well, it was great talking to you guys, and thanks for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can go ahead and share the link to the show that you're listening to right now around social media. That will help expose the show to an audience that didn't know about the show beforehand. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye.
but now all the money been too busy running to me. Hey, I put the team on my back. I do it all for the family. Everyone think they can rap. Nobody ever gon' challenge me. Starting my week on a Sunday. They think they can make it in one day. I just been ready to take off. Waiting my turn on the runway. Never be turning around. Never be turning around. Hey, never be slowing it down. Never be slowing it down. Hey, I keep my foot on the gas. I keep my foot on the gas. Hey, I know I'm never gon' crash. I know I'm never gon' crash. Hey, never be turning around. Never be turning around. Hey, never be slowing it down. Never be slowing it down. Hey. Sunny, but I know that I'm gonna still shine. You never gonna make it till you got the power to go and develop a strong mind. Cause everything happens where you don't expect it. The journey ain't given a deadline. I'm going till I got a flat line. Connecting with people like landline. I've been blowing up like a landmine. I put myself on like a combine. Knowing the way that they go and I'm ready for more. I don't wait on the sideline. I'm feeling like 2011 when Drizzy was dropping them hits like his headlines. I don't understand what I can't do. If I cut you off, then I had to. I'm staying up late like it's fast food. The life of a rapper who is. The people who've been trying to give me advice If you haven't done it before They don't give you an opinion About what you think I should go do with my life Hey, I put the team on my back I do it all for the family Everyone think they can rap Nobody ever gonna challenge me Starting my week on a Sunday They think they can make it in one day I just been ready to take off Waiting my turn on the runway Never be turning around Never be turning around Hey, never be slowing it down never